0: On the Road with Mac and Molly is brought to you by Dog.com. For everything and anything dog. Shop Dog.com today for all the top brands. Greenies, Frontline, Kong, Nylabone, Royal Canaan, and more. Shop at Dog.com and use the promo code SADMOLLY. S-A-D-M-O-L-L-Y. And get $15 off your order of $75 or more.
1: Donna Haleson. Welcome to Pet Life Radio's On the Road with Mac and Molly. Thanks so much for tuning in. We have a fun and fact-filled show ahead of us, so let's launch in. This year marks the 60th birthday of Sparky the Fire Dog the Dalmatian mascot of the National Fire Protection Association. Celebrations have been and will be held this year at sites all around the country. In the first half of our program, we'll hear about some of these events and we'll learn more about Sparky. Like many of the advertising icons that were introduced in the 1950s, from Tony the Tiger to Speedy Alka-Seltzer, Sparky's looks have changed considerably over the years. In recent days, he's bulked up a bit he's become much more colorful. Today, he hosts his own website, has a Facebook page, and makes personal appearances all over the country. His likeness is seen in sparky costumes, sparky Valentine's Day cards, sparky birthday kits, sparky robots, you name it. There's probably something sparky to spark your attention. Sparky's also finding himself the recipient of some pretty remarkable honors. One great example, a few months back... On Kadena Air Base on Okinawa, Japan, Sparky was named a non-commissioned officer, a staff sergeant. This recognition was given to celebrate Sparky's 23 years of service to the air base. Filling us in on Sparky's life and the work of the organization he represents will be Massachusetts-based Lorraine Carley, Vice President of Communications for the NFPA. In the second half of the program, we'll visit the city of Beaumont, site of the Fire Museum of Texas. In the plaza, adjacent to the museum, sits the largest working fire hydrant in the country, perhaps in the world. From Carol Gary, the museum's executive director, we'll hear how that multi-story fire hydrant came to sit where it does. A hint, Disney, Dalmatians, and Cruella de Vil had something to do with it. From Carol, we'll also hear about what's on offer, especially for children at the museum. And we'll learn how dogs have worked side-by-side with firefighters pretty much since fire companies were formed. All that when we return from these messages. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after this pause.
0: Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. L-U-C-K-Y, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com. Whether they're big, small, hairy, or whatever, you're going to need gear for your feet. And Kids Foot Locker's got all the great shoes and gear that'll get you in the game. Go to KidsFootLocker.com and enter the code AFMAC1KF to get 10% off any order of $50 or more. Or enter the code AFMOL2KF to get 15% off any order of $75 or more at KidsFootLocker.com. And cover those funky feet. 20
2: hi this is Marcy Davis and my service dog whistle.
1: episode we're delighted to have with us Lorraine Carley, the Vice President of Communications for the National Fire Protection Association, which is based in Quincy, Massachusetts. She'll be sharing with us in this segment some details on the mission of the NFPA and the role played by the association's mascot, Sparky the Fire Dog. This is a time of celebration for Sparky as he is marking his 60th birthday this year. So we do welcome you, Lorraine. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> well, and thank you for being with us and, uh, and taking this time to share the work of your organization and the work of your mascot, Sparky oh, the Fire Dog. <laughs> Well, I'm wondering if we might perhaps begin our time together, as we noted at the outset, uh, hearing a little bit about the work of the National Fire Protection Association. And perhaps you might tell us how and why the organization was founded, what its work has entailed, and, and perhaps how it serves folks today.
3: Sure. The National Fire Protection Association is over 100 years old. We were actually created here in Boston in 1896, And we grew out of the need for insurance agents to have uh, some consistency around how sprinklers were being installed. As you can imagine, uh, sprinklers were designed um, by different companies, but they were all attaching them to the pipes differently. Uh, So they said, well, geez, it doesn't really make sense that one sprinkler head might not fit another pipe. We said, we actually need some consistency around that. Similarly, like if a uh, fire department pulled up to a house and their hose didn't fit on the fire hydrant. So they realized that they needed a standard around sprinkler installation. So out of that discussion grew the National Fire Protection Association, and that became our first standard on how uh, installers would work with sprinklers so that there was some consistency. Because we are a codes and standards development organization. We develop about 300 codes and standards that have everything to do with fire, building, and electric safety. Uh, The reason that doors push out as opposed to pull in, that's an NFPA code. Um, Things like sprinkler requirements and smoke alarm requirements, those are all uh, things that have to do with codes and standards. But aside from that, we do a lot of public education, Uh, to teach people about fire and life safety. And we do research. We're the world's leading authority on fire research, uh, looking at the reasons uh, fires happen, uh, the leading causes of fires, uh, how many people die in in fires, all that kind of information comes out of NFPA.
1: And so you do have a, a website where a lot of this information can be found?
3: We do. We have a a website, which is nfpa.org, which has all of our information on fire statistics, our codes and standards, and all of our public education material.
1: Okay. Well, one of the uh, things you talked about was education, and one of the avenues, if you will, through which you do some of that education, is a dog. It's a dog that's named Sparky. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, Sparky's history, some of his uh, trajectory, how and when and why and and uh, you know where he just sort of came into existence?
3: Sparky the Fire Dog was created for NFPA in 1951 for an advertising council campaign. And he has been the organization's official mascot and spokesdog ever since. And the idea for a Dalmatian as a spokesdog came out of the fact that in the early days of uh, firefighting, there were often dogs around the fire stations to uh, corral the horses. In the early days, uh, fire engines were pulled by horses, uh, you know, horse-drawn uh, fire trucks that had the water and the hoses attached to them. And the Dalmatians were used to corral the horses and lead them down the street. Uh, so a Dalmatian has really become the symbol of firefighting. And and sometimes even still today, a lot of uh, fire departments around the country may have a Dalmatian uh, in the firehouse or as their official dog. Uh, but that was the reason that. Sparky, the fire dog, was chosen as the official mascot of NFPA. You know, and he's changed in his looks over the, the 60 years, I would say. If, it, if you looked at some of the early drawings of him from the 1950s and 60s, he was definitely more real dog-looking with a tail and a, a regular dog face. He is sort of now uh, morphed into more of a cartoon-friendly type character in costume.
1: Well, why a Dalmatian particularly?
3: I think in those early days when there were dogs around the fire station to corral the horses and and lead the fire engines to fires, uh, they were oftentimes Dalmatian dogs.
1: And so there wasn't a particular place where the Dalmatian came to be associated with firefighters? It's just sort of across the board that for whatever reason Dalmatians were were around the fire stations?
3: Yeah, and, and that goes back probably to the 1800s.
1: Okay. And what has his role been? And today, what is the role that Sparky most especially plays in uh, promoting fire safety and the work well, of the NFPA?
3: The good news is that we have made tremendous progress in fighting the fire problem in this country. We've seen the number of people dying in home fires uh, decrease from about seven to 8,000 in the, in the late 70s and 80s down to today, there are about 3,000 people a year that die in Home fires. And the reason we've seen a, a decrease in those numbers is a combination of things. The codes and standards that I talked about earlier, public education, and uh, the fire service using things like Sparky the Fire Dog to go out and teach people about how to be fire safe in their home the widespread use of smoke alarms that really became popular in the late seventies. All of those things have combined to uh, decrease the amount of people that are dying in home fires. But the reality is two things. One is that we still have about three thousand people a year that die in home fires. Um, But the other reality is that the majority of home fires can, in fact, be prevented by people taking some very simple steps. So Sparky's role throughout his 60 years has been uh, to be a great deliverer of those fire safety messages. Uh, We find that kids are very receptive uh, because If you have children, you know that they often come home from school and and tell us things that they've learned that we should be doing, whether it's um, have we recycled or why don't we, we recycle or have we changed our smoke alarm batteries or I learned at school today that we need to have and to practice an escape plan. So kids are, are very receptive of the message, and they're also very good at teaching the message to people at home. Uh, so that's why Sparky is so important, is that children can relate to him. He uses very kid-friendly ways to teach about fire safety. He has a very active website, which is sparky.org, and on his website you'll find lots of information and Uh, very kid-friendly activities and games that parents and teachers can use with their children to get across those fire safety messages in a really fun and entertaining way.
1: Now, on that website, there is information for parents as well and educators and others who... uh, Yeah, there's uh,
3: lots of information on this website for parents. There's things like uh, downloadable uh, floor maps that you can draw, an escape plan for your home so that when you can practice it, you'll actually have the plan in front of you. Uh, There's uh, lessons lesson plans for teachers and daycare providers. Uh, There's songs that teach about fire safety. So there's all kinds of information that can be used with children.
1: Now, besides the website, where would we find Sparky? Does he visit fire stations and schools and attend other events?
3: Sparky attends lots of events all over the country because he's usually... uh, part of a lot of the fire stations. So fire stations would have open houses, or uh, they may go visit schools, particularly in the fall during fire prevention week, which is in October. Uh, Sparky's out and about visiting lots of schools and daycare centers, uh, as well as inviting people into local firehouses for uh, different types of activity that remind people about the importance of fire safety.
1: Now, is his birthday being celebrated on one particular day? Is there one great big festival for Sparky or a variety of different events that we 'll see happening around the country
3: there 's a variety of events that are happening all year long to commemorate his birthday. His official birthday uh, was March eighteenth uh, so he here in Boston uh, did a pizza party for four thousand of his closest friends at one of the subway stations in town. Uh, But he's doing activities all throughout the year. One of the things that kicked off the birthday year was a Voice of Sparky contest where we asked firefighters from around the country to submit a video on why they thought they should be the Voice of Sparky for his birthday year. And the public chose a firefighter, Barry Brinke, from uh, Tennessee to be the voice of Sparky. And so that video will be coming out in June, uh, which will be an animated video of Sparky talking about uh, fire safety with the voice of our contestant winner. And then there'll be some activities throughout the year. Uh, The National Fire Protection Association has its annual conference in Boston. In June, there'll be some special activities to commemorate the birthday. And then in the fall, uh, lots of expanded activities during Fire Prevention Week that will focus on sparking. And We talked briefly about his website, but his website has some new additions for his birthday. Uh, There's actually a Sparky birthday kit on there for parents and uh, other caretakers that they can download all kinds of things to host a birthday party for their child that has a Sparky theme uh, that uses lots of Sparky material, but also um, has information on those fire safety messages.
1: And what uh, might we expect in the future from uh, the NFPA and Sparky? Plans in the works?
3: We have lots of plans to continue to put Sparky out in front of the public because he is such a beloved dog, um, and also because of the fact that we need to move that number down of uh, people that die in home fires. And you know the fact that most of these home fires can be prevented means that we just need to do some additional public education so that people are thinking. You know, one of the things is that we're a little bit of victims of our own successes, that people don't think as much about home fires as they did 60 years ago because you don't see as many home fires, and a lot of people may not know somebody that has been impacted by a home fire. So we need to remind people that uh, it is still a problem, but there is also things that can be done to prevent home fires.
1: Well, as we wrap up our time together today, is there anything, most especially, that uh, you would want to be certain folks hear from you about either the NFPA or Sparky the Fire Dog?
3: Well, I think some of the biggest fire safety messages that people can take away is to make sure that you have working smoke alarms in your home and that you have uh, developed and practiced an escape plan should there be a fire in your home so that you know exactly what to do. And you can find all of the information on smoke alarms, escape plans, and other safety tips on both the NFPA website, nfpa.org, as well as Sparky's own site, sparky.org.
1: Well, thank you so much, Lorraine, for spending this time with us. We're uh, very grateful to you, and we're grateful to Sparky the Fire Dog and uh, to the National Fire Protection Association for all of your fine work. And we do wish Sparky the Fire Dog a very happy birthday. Thank you very much. (laughs) All righty. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, let's take a break when we return we'll visit with carol gary executive director of the fire museum of texas so again sit stay we'll be right back after these messages
0: sit stay we'll be right back after a short pause Go to 1-800-PetMeds.com forward slash road ROAD to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. Would you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience? We
3: have a brand new trademark concept called InfoSeeds. InfoSeeds are short 20-second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service. is the best, most
0: cost-effective way to invite us in. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit the website PetLifeRadio.com. Click on
2: sponsorship information. There you can listen to a sample of info seed. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available. Hi, I'm Angelina. Join me for some great training tips to live a happy, healthy, peaceful life together with your best friend. And by the way, they're not the only ones that learn something new. Join me for Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio.
0: Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets
1: on Pet Life Radio.
0: Pet Life Radio. Pet Liferadio.com.
1: In this segment, we're delighted to have with us Carol Gary, Executive Director of the Fire Museum of Texas, which is found in the city of Beaumont, Texas, which sits in the southeastern corner of the state near the border with Louisiana. Her museum is one of more than 200 fire museums in the United States and Canada, and these sites range from a spare room in a firehouse basement to those with warehouse-like proportions. In the 1990s, the International Association of Fire Chiefs, the IAFC, saw the need to link these diverse institutions together, not only for occasional seminars, but also for the exchange of other ideas throughout each year. So, in 1995, after a year of suggestions and discussions and refinements, the Fire Museum Network was born. Now, some fire museums are privately owned. Others are overseen by local fire departments and local governments. As we begin our conversation with Carol... I wonder if uh, we might launch in by talking about the uniqueness of the Fire Museum of Texas in Beaumont. The uniqueness, first of all, that is found in the way in which it is administered. And again, we do just want to welcome Carol and uh, thank you so much for being with us today. So could you please, you know, just help us by launching into some of that history, the background on the museum, and wherever
2: else uh, we'll head
1: over this period of time together.
2: Thank you so much for having us on your show today. We appreciate this opportunity. And I'd like to start out by telling you a little bit about the history. Our uh, former fire chief, Pete Shelton, we he had a repository for the vehicles and the apparatus that were no longer being used stored here in the 1926 fire station, which was the headquarters for Beaumont Fire Department. And he had preserved and helped preserve with the prior chief prior to him, um, Chief O'Connor and, and fire chiefs before him, they had preserved the history quite well here in Beaumont. And so they, in the mid-80s, saw the need for turning this a repository into a fire museum and a unique opportunity arose when the State Firemen and Fire Marshals Association Museum was closing up in Irving and they joined the efforts with them and acquired some of their collection and brought it all down to Beaumont and that, at that time what was once just a repository for our collection of fire uh, firefighter equipment that was no longer being used became actually became a museum. They did join efforts, and, and now we are endorsed by the State Fire Marshals Association as the official fire museum of Texas. And we have a great collection, and we have some very unique pieces. And not only do we tell the history of the fire service in Texas, but we have a very extensive fire prevention and fire safety program.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about how you are administered? What is unique about that, and uh, maybe a little more about where you're housed and, and the work sure. that you do?
2: Sure. Uh, We are housed in in the 1927. It it is a fire station here and it still remains the headquarters for the fire department. Uh, When Chief Shelton was here and they joined the efforts, they brought in, he he was actually very active with the International Fire Chiefs Association and served on the board that was the original group of people that brought all the fire museums across the nation together to form that fire museum network. And all of us work together to share information and we meet once a year, which is uh, It's obviously a wonderful opportunity for us to, you know, continue to grow and share our programming. But we each all have our own individual identity. Here in Beaumont, we are not privately owned. We are owned by the city. We are, um, we have a very unique situation where the city supports our program through the Fire Marshal's Office, which is our community risk reduction. And basically our mission locally is to reduce the statistics of, of fire deaths and injury through public Education and Awareness through the Fire Marshal's Office. We have their support um, basically through that, but we also have a 501c3 that helps support additional programming and helps us raise funds to acquire additional exhibits and uh, educational tools and materials that we need to help us uh, grow and to help develop our program.
1: Well can you tell us a little bit about what you do have on exhibit at the museum and uh, what kinds of activities and perhaps even what kinds of activities most especially you offer for children?
2: Okay, sure, I'll be happy to share that. The first floor downstairs pretty much tells the history of the fire service, starting out with early American. We have a hand-drawn pumper, and we move into the steam age and the automobile age. And the whole downstairs, like I said, is set up pretty much to tell the history of the fire service through the 19th century. And we uh, we if we have, of course, limited no space. We have about 7,000 square feet downstairs. But the uh, models help tell that story of any of the apparatus we might have not have for an era. We do have models and uh, it's a unique story especially here in Beaumont because of the discovery of oil in 1901 not only did it change the destiny of our little sleepy timber town you know into the petroleum mecca that it is today but it changed the fire service as well so it's a great story to tell as the population tripled with the discovery of oil and what that did to the fire service and the population and you, we tell that history in the downstairs and we have a simulator that we always tell no one there. You know, it's you don't have to just be a little kid to want to dress up like a firefighter and jump up on the simulator. It's a half of a cab, and you can actually get up there and turn the lights on and pretend to drive. And it's a lot of fun. We have the uh, the the apparatus in all sizes for all all ages from from two year olds to ninety year olds. They dress up and get on that piece of equipment back there and have their picture made. So that's our downstairs, and then upstairs is our children's activity center. And in our children's activity center, we uh, we teach the basic skills for um, fire prevention and fire safety. Everything from you know recognizing the firefighter as your as your helper to how to call nine one one. But basically, we we here at our programming is we use the National Fire Prevention's curriculum, which is the Learn Not to Burn curriculum, and Sparky is one of the tools that we use to help our program with teaching children. Our focus here, we do all ages, but because kids pre-K through second grade are the most vulnerable, that's our focus, and we see over 5,000 children in that age range each year.
1: Well, you mentioned Sparky the Fire Dog and the National Fire Protection Association. Earlier in the show, we spoke with Lorraine Carley from the NFPA about that organization's work and about its mascot, Sparky the Fire Dog. I wonder if you might speak a little bit from your perspective how the Dalmatian came to be linked with firefighters and and uh, maybe a bit about that local connection with Sparky and, and the Beaumont Fire Department's history with Dalmatians.
2: Okay, here in Beaumont, the Dalmatian has only been popular for about the last 20 to 25 years. As the firefighters here acquired those, basically to help market the museum, because the Dalmatian has been the significant symbol for firefighting for a number of years. And when you track it back, um, it goes you know all the way up to the early early years when the firehouses had the horses, and uh, they had they had always had dogs. Most firehouses always had dogs and the dogs were not only companions to the horses but they chased the mice and rats out that would come into that firehouse because of the feed and the hay and they would bark when someone came to the door the night watchman was there always you know if someone came in the middle of the night to help wake them and they would also run out in the street and bark and clear the way for the traffic as the horses or the early fire engines the early days would pull out from from the station so they, they had a significant role they had a job to do and here we We've traced the history of the the fire dog in our museum, and it, perhaps in other locations it is dating back to the you know early 1900s they may have had Dalmatians, but here in Beaumont, terriers were the preferred breed, and uh, there was we've got pictures of of terriers that date back to the early 1900s, and that certainly is explainable because they're small and they're you know they're very bright dogs and uh, and it must have just been the choice of the 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 fire chief at that time or through that era, but we we do have uh, blaze. She is our mascot. She is a Dalmatian. And she does our marketing and PR for not only the fire department but for the fire museum. And we have a fire pup, And he's here for education purposes, which would be like a tool that we use to help teach children. And he is a Boston Terrier. And his name is Roscoe.
1: Now, I understand that Roscoe lives or has uh, access to a doghouse that's a miniature version of something that is uh, outside of your museum building. Before you tell us about his doghouse, maybe you could tell us a bit about the rather remarkable structure that sits just outside of the museum.
2: Oh, I'd be happy to share that. In 1999, Walt Disney uh, Corporation, well, they approached the the fire museum, and we were recognized, uh, it's my understanding for our children's programming, because it is unique, and it's very extensive compared to other museums of our size. And they chose us, and they came to Beaumont with an offer to build and construct a giant fire hydrant and have it here on our fire museum grounds and it was a promotion for the release of 101 Dalmatians movie another reason I feel we were chosen is because we happen to have a fire department band, we have antique fire trucks that run, I mean we just kind of met the criteria that Disney was looking for to film this promotional video and they filmed the video and 101 of our firefighters danced to a chorus, they had a uh, a (laughs) choreographed song and it was de Vil, and they danced to it, carrying their spotted umbrellas in their turnout gear. And they all did a big ceremony around the giant hydrant, and it was a great day in Beaumont. And after the celebration, they all went to our Jefferson Theater, which is our historical theater here in downtown, and all the firemen and their families watched 101 Dalmatians. They decided to gift it to the city. They did not break it down and take it back to Anaheim, California, where they normally do. They uh, had received so much positive response and, and a, a lot of begging from people to leave it here. It just fit. It just fit perfectly here on our plaza. So the hydrant remained here, and it's been here now for 11 years, and it's uh, 24-foot tall and weighs 4,500 pounds. It's a fiberglass fabricated reinforced with 100 feet of steel, and it can hold 1,500 gallons of water that can be pumped up to a sprinkler device out of the top of the hydrant. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It draws people to our museum from all over the world. Now, can you tell us how it's painted it's black and white spotted of course (laughs) and then you'd ask about the miniature when we have uh, we have a a big festival here each October in honor of National Fire Prevention and for many many years it's I think it's possibly the longest running uh, fire safety event in the world that's hosted by the National Fire Prevention Association and it's National Fire Prevention Week and it's October it's usually the first week of October but we have a fire festival a fire prevention festival here and it includes a dog parade and a Dogtober festival, and so we have people and dogs, and they all come down and we meet at the giant fire hydrant and we learn about fire safety and it's just a great day in Beaumont. The, the fundraiser is um, miniature dog houses, and local contractors build these dog houses. And last year, one of the contractors built a replica of the giant fire hydrant. And it's about eight feet tall, and it's now in the museum, and it's Roscoe's doghouse. And it's a little spotted, just replica of our giant fire hydrant that's out on the plaza.
1: (laughs) That's delightful. I wonder, too, outside by that giant fire hydrant, there are some other kind of usual-sized hydrants as well that seem that's surrounded. Are those functioning? Are those functional fire hydrants?
2: Actually, they're just decorative. We've surrounded our (laughs) plaza with uh, Mm. fire hunters that were out of service. We just painted those black and white. And recently, well, in the last three years, we had a fundraising campaign. We have, uh, Beaumont does not have a historical square, and we've tried to recreate kind of a public gathering place here at the fire department. We built a a 30 by 40 pavilion and a little park area, and we've been raising the money, and we just made our last payment on... our State of Texas Firefighter Memorial, which will be out there on a granite base. Also, serving out there is a memorial to the 9-11 victims.
1: One other question I think you know, I'd have for you, just going back to the fire hydrant, it is, what, the third largest
2: such structure in the United States? If you look it up, it is going to tell you it's the third largest, but we're not going down without a fight because the other others <laughs> do don't work and ours works. So we just simply added a word to our title, and we still say we're the world's largest working fire hydrant. So we don't want to give up our title because we've worked we're so hard to, to have that here and to keep it here, and it's, it's been such a, a great tourism draw for us here in Beaumont.
1: Well, and you are Texas after all, right? Yeah, <laughs> I remember hearing a similar Everything story about big. the, yeah, well, I remember hearing a similar story from someone about the tower in San Antonio and, uh, you know, and just the competition to, again, with the uh, Las Vegas and, and Seattle. So, no, I know, I know these things are important to you. Well, what else would you think would be important for people to know, uh, as we close out our time together?
2: Well, I would just like to say um, not only do we invite you here to the Fire Museum of Texas, we have many other beautiful museums in our area, Botanical Gardens, Shangri-La is very near here. We have a lot to see and do that a lot of it has evolved around that history of the petroleum industry. We have beautiful historical homes in our area, uh, great hotels, great food. We're real close to the Louisiana border, so we kind of have that Cajun influence in our diets, you can tell. very friendly t- We just invite everybody to come down to Beaumont and have a good time. Well,
1: we are so grateful to you, Carol, for taking this time with us today. You are just a delight, and uh, we are grateful also for the the work that you do in teaching others about fire safety. We just pray that it all continues to go well for you there,
2: and uh, again,
1: we're just so happy you were with us.
2: Thank you. And I would just like to again acknowledge the National Fire Prevention Association for their guidance and all of the tools. And for those of you who have children and you might not be able to make it into a museum or to a fire department, you can go on their website and they have amazing tools and educational items that will help you teach your family how to have a, a, how to have a plan and what to do if there's an emergency. So I encourage all families listening to, to work with their families. And just like you teach your kids how to tie their You need to teach them what to do in case the house catches on fire.
1: Good advice, Carol. Thank you again so much for being with us today. Thank you.
2: And Roscoe sends his love to Mac and Molly.
1: (laughs) Thank you very much. I'll send that word on. Okay. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode. We're grateful to our guests for a lively conversation and grateful to you for listening. I hope you'll visit the On the Road with Mac and Molly blog on the Pet Life Radio website where you'll find renderings of Sparky through the years along with photographs of the delightful Dalmatian-painted fire hydrant in Beaumont, Texas. I also hope you'll join us next time as we head out On the Road with Mac and Molly.